Hello, hello, and welcome to Business of Design. I'm so glad you're here. Episode 191, and we are talking about curtains, draperies, and so many wonderful things with a very good friend of mine, Kamal Pierby, who is also a member of my A-team and has been since 1992. That's a long time we've been working together. And we wanted to have a conversation about value and quality and how it's our responsibility as the interior design professionals to bring that to clients, even when they don't ask for it, even when they don't know they want it. I'm Kimberly Selden. And yes, I absolutely am a practicing interior design professional just like you. In fact, at this moment, I have six projects on the burner. And it's nice to be able to say six and not six and a half, six and a quarter, like clean six, although they're at various stages of completion. We've got one where we're just beginning the drawing package. I haven't even thought about selections yet. Another one where we are reviewing the shop drawings to make sure we get everything we need accurately built. And then a couple more where we are nearing or approaching at least the time to schedule that big installation and client reveal. It's a lot, right? It's complicated what we do, juggling so many moving parts. But I'll tell you, one of the things that will help you survive in this business is having those suppliers who make you look good in front of your clients, right? Those people you can go to when you have a question, when you have a need, and you can trust that they'll get that job done for you. In this conversation, you will hear from someone who has made 100% of my clients happy since 1992, Kamal Pirbai. He is an artist who works his magic, making the most spectacular soft furnishings, draperies, decorative toss cushions, and bedding. He is definitely on my A-team because he makes me look good every single time, and my clients now ask for him by name. Kamal is going to share some insights, which I think, at least in my case, I would be wise to heed, actually, around how we can ensure our clients get great value in addition to good service. Thankfully, he's also going to make it clear that we don't have to know everything. We just have to know who to hire. And when we hire well, we enhance the client experience. When the conversation opens, you will hear me ask Kamal whether or not he says Z or Z when referring to the 26th letter of the alphabet. Then we go on to discuss some other words that cause confusion from one business of design member to another because we live in different places. Niche, niche, foyer, foyer. And then we talk about curtains, curtains for you, or draperies, and which one sounds better. Is it pillows or decorative toss cushions? Hang in there, though. We do get to the point. And the point is this. When you want to make a great soup, yes, you need great ingredients. But you also need a quality method for combining them, for cooking them. Otherwise, it won't turn out. You need both sides of the formula, great ingredients and great fabrication. And this is true for everything we fabricate as designers or everything we ask someone else to fabricate for us. Great material, but lousy workmanship, and we disappoint our clients. Kamal's goal with this podcast is to remind us to aim for a higher level of quality and service when it comes to satisfying our clients. 
and specifically in his case, don't overspend on fabric only to skimp out when it comes time to have the draperies made. In fact, I would say it's actually the opposite. It would be better to buy a less expensive fabric, but plenty of it, and then have it constructed into spectacular drapery treatments that hang well and look beautiful. As a general rule, I think we all need to ask more of the workrooms we work with, but I can speak for myself and say the fact that I'm busy makes me want to skip that step sometimes. I like to use soft furnishings as a way to give my clients a custom look and feel, something that reflects their vision, their lifestyle, and certainly something their neighbors won't have. Kamal is the principal and head curtain maker at Studio La Beauté, and he has 26 years running a soft furnishings studio. During the past decade, he's elevated his work to an haute couture level and entered the public realm with an art practice as well. He is a master of old world techniques like embroidery, beadwork, trapunto, and he was formally trained in London, England. He loves fabric, but he also loves to introduce exotic materials into his soft furnishings. You'll hear me ask him about the time he added zippers to my client's drapes. They look great. If you're in the Toronto area and you use anyone else to make your draperies, you're missing out. Truly, this guy is the deal. StudioLaBeauté.com. Go to the show notes. You'll find Kamal's information there. Before we jump into the episode, though, we're going to hear from very busy and hard to get a hold of Cheryl Horn. As you know, we relaunched businessofdesign.com. She's done an incredible job, and she's working diligently behind the scenes to continue to roll out the new features of the website. I'll let her tell you about a couple things. Well, it's been a busy couple of weeks and even busier couple of months, really. But the new site is live and we're receiving amazing feedback, which is even better. Um, I'm going to keep things short and sweet for today. In the coming weeks, we'll certainly share what's new and yet to come for Business of Design. But for today, the most important thing to know is that tomorrow, Thursday, October 15th, is the last day to get in on current pricing for BOD Business Membership. $79 per month. So make sure you get in on that. And of course, as we've always done our membership, whatever rate you join at is the rate you will renew at and continue to renew at as long as you are a member. That rate is never going to go up. So please take advantage of this promotion. And then on Friday, we are finally releasing Business of Design's operations manual. Why I'm sharing that now is because as part of membership, we've introduced member pricing. And if you get in on the current promotion, which ends tomorrow, you're actually going to save more on purchasing that operations manual than your first month of membership. So win-win. We hope you'll take advantage of both. Please head to businessofdesign.com, click on pricing in the main menu, and you're going to head to BOD Business Membership. You're going to have access to all of our courses, including the brand new BOD 15-step project management strategy certificate program. That is all new. It's about a 20-hour course, so you're going to need to invest some time in taking that, but it is well worth it. We look forward to seeing you at the new businessofdesign.com. Yes, 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 we do. We want you and we need your support and we're grateful to be part of your success story. 
and we will continue to deliver value that is immeasurable. Thank you so much, Cheryl. And now let's get to the episode. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the world's best business training for interior design professionals like you. We have the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to consistently satisfy clients, increase profitability, and run your projects like a boss. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to hundreds of targeted training modules, plus member perks like BOD Live events, member-only podcasts, preferred pricing, and the support of an engaged community of peers. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. Are you a Z or a Z kind of a person? I don't know that I know this about you. Here, I learned English in Canada, so I say Z. You say Z. Okay, yeah. I I flip back and forth depending on... It's not a political statement. It's just what I was talking about. But some some words are super tricky. So Z and Z, also niche and niche. Those I have to... Because it's, it's well, niche. of course, because you were you're raising <laughs> Canada, so you you say it's, it's niche, a, a la France. Well, but no. half the United Canada, States says niche, Switzerland. <laughs> well, and Switzerland also. Happy. Well, I don't, I grew up in L.A. We States said niche, France. right? And I'll tell you the other thing we said. This will make this will make your ears bleed. We said click. You were in a clique, and then I moved to Toronto, and people said, it's a clique, and I'm like, what is a clique? I don't understand that at all. But I don't know the origins of the word clique, so I don't have quite a visceral reaction to that, the niche, or like buffet is buffet. Buffet. There's a lot of French words that hurt me a little bit when I say them with the English accent. I know, I know, but we're going to just talk about something we can all agree on. And that is quality work, right? Quality work. We all want to do quality work that we're proud of when it comes to the clients we serve. I hope so. I guess the question is people have a different understanding of the word quality. Ooh, that sounds like a throwdown. I want to know exactly what you mean by that. What? How dare you? What do you mean by that? <laughs> well, it's a big, it's a big open-ended thing to say quality. You charge a lot of money. Does that mean it's quality? You buy expensive material. Does that mean quality? Your client has a big house. Does it mean that they have, you know, spending a lot of money doesn't necessarily mean quality. That's basically the simple answer. So how do we arrive at an agreement then around what is quality? And to use your example, if I spend a lot of money on expensive fabric for my draperies, that doesn't mean my draperies are going to be quality draperies. Why not? I would associate it with like buying really good vegetables doesn't equal really good food or good soup. So I know that <laughs> what like goes as a wrong? designer, you're... Well, the, the, there's a big disconnect between selecting materials and drawing something up and rendering a, a room to your client to the actual fabrication and all the decisions that go on after the initial design concept has been figured out. There's a big disconnect there, and that's where that's the things that make me cringe when I, because I know how much work designers spend on coming up with like styles and like you know, colors and fabrics and materials and 
you know, designing uh, built-ins and furniture. But then a lot of times the finished product is leaves a lot to be desired. I know what they were going for, but you know, when you see photos of finished work, it's 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 a little bit sad. So I think I stepped into this too quickly without really setting things up. What you're really talking about is if you're not also paying attention to the details and how something is made, you can have a quality ingredient, but the final outcome won't be quality. 100%. And okay. Especially with soft furnishings. What are all the things that you would consider to be soft furnishings? So... Everything fabric-related that isn't upholstered. I think with upholstery, it's... I don't want to upset upholsterers, but you're buying a frame and you're a little bit... What you're making is based on the design of the frame, right? You're, you're recovering that. Whereas a curtain is a soft fabric. And so the fabrication dictates a lot more what the treatment is going to be. More than There's no frame we're working with. We're working with a wall. You know, a lot of times the curtain isn't... has doesn't have that much relationship with the window because we're using up a lot of the wall space. You say curtain, I say draperies. How come? What, tell us, <laughs> what's the difference? I think you could, I think clients will pay more for draperies than curtains. <laughs> it's like a vase and vase. Is, is it like vase and vase or is it like... Um, <laughs> niche and niche? <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. I just think window coverings so, or draperies I, sound better than curtains. To me, curtains are those little pleated things that hang over your mom's kitchen window. That's a curtain. I studied in England. I learned to make curtains from a curtain maker, and that was the little insignia on the door. So that's how I came to it. And I understand draping as fabric, kind of the way a fabric folds is draping to me. So that's my, that's how I came to that decision. <laughs> we should call them curtains first. And then how the curtain drapes is your next discussion. Everybody listening to the podcast now is right thinking, is this going to be some kind of English lesson? Are we, are we right? Are we in school? Because so far we've, we've gone through niche and niche, niche. buffet and buffet, and now curtains and draperies. Armoire. Armoire. What is there another way for armoire? Armoire. Oh, but that's just obnoxious. That's just a French person is all like, Armoire. I don't know. That's just crazy Armoire. talk. What about this one, foyer? Yeah, that hurts a little bit. <laughs> okay, I know what else hurts you, Kamal. I'm going to... You know, foyer in French also is means the home. Like, mon foyer is my home. Really? I know that in English or in design, we use it for the entrance area, but... It, it's also used in French as a term for meaning your home. Mon foyer, like my home. I have a good home. So anyways. I never knew that. There. My foyer, my pad. This is really... Uh, I my think crib. This is really like a, <laughs> a grammatic uh, podcast. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Which today's lesson. This, is, <laughs> this would be like me teaching people about computers. I know nothing about these things. All right. We're going to get into what you do know something about. And that has yes, to do with the details. And it has to do with quality. And it has to do with the fact that you could buy beautiful ingredients to make soup. But if you're not paying attention to how it all goes together, 
that what's going to come out is not going to be very good. And we're actually not going to talk about soup. I don't even know why I use that metaphor. We're going to talk about window coverings and draperies and curtains. So just put me out of my misery right now. I go and I select this gorgeous fabric that costs $1,000 a yard. And I give it to any old person who makes window coverings, right? And you're saying, I may not get quality, valuable window coverings out of that person. Why not? Wow. There's a lot to discuss there. Basically, my entire career is that question. It's like, what's the difference? I'm just, I'm, you've, you're right. I mean, I'm working right now with a fabric from Hermes, which is about $1,000 a yard. And I'm working with this fabric and all the decisions we have to make about how we cut it, how we're going to make the hems, where we're going to decide the top is going to be is based on this beautiful pattern. So much work goes into working with something that complicated that if you don't have a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge, it's going to be butchered. Now, here's the problem is the client doesn't necessarily have a knowledge of this. Maybe instead of soup, we're going to use a wine analogy, right? So you're you're in a restaurant and you spend $1,000 on a bottle of wine. Are you getting a good wine because it's $1,000 or are you getting a good wine because like a lot went into making this great wine? Right. right? And so the, the client doesn't have this knowledge, right? They're just basing it on the price. This is where I want to be involved. The designers don't need to have this knowledge. I, designers don't need to know how to sew and how to fabricate these things. But there should be a, a minimal amount of effort spent thinking about these things because a, a correctly made a curtain compared to a poorly made curtain, to me, is the equivalence to drinking vinegar and drinking a nice bottle of wine. Like if, if you're going to this beautiful restaurant, right, this designer, and you're buying a $1,000 fabric, you're expecting to drink a $1,000 wine. But if you don't know about wine, you don't know that it's not correct, right? And so that's the responsibility of the designer, in a way, to give their client that beautiful fabric they selected, but also having it dealt with in a like professional way. I think you're right that clients don't always know because I'm just shocked when I see something that's just pinch pleated, you know, twisted, not an even hem. I mean, those are just the obvious things I notice. but I think you're right that sometimes clients don't notice. And I'm so happy you said designers don't have to know either. I don't want to have to know that information. I'm not wired to think about those things. And you've spoiled us because of course I just bring you the fabric and we say, I hope none of my clients are listening. I'll be like, come on, what should we do? (laughs) You know, I don't, yeah, you know, anyway, and you give so me, you give me grief. Years, yes, right? we have. And you give me grief all the time when I phone it in. And you know what that means, right? Okay. I just give you a fabric and say, well, you know, inverted pleats, straight, no trim, whatever. You're like, no, right? don't do that. <laughs> but luckily you have a staff and so I can discuss things with them and there's, there's a way to make, you know, and we have a relationship. So you depend on me. You, I'm an arm of your design. And so I'm working for you. And, you know, with that relationship, I'm able to think through your eyes. So you don't necessarily have to sit with me on every project because I'm thinking for you. So, but, and also, I don't think it's the client's job to know about these things. And that's why they're hiring a professional to design their house, right? They're, they're putting their trust in a designer to kind of filter the decisions that are being made so that they get a the product that they're paying for. 
Right. You and I did a project. Um, it's been a couple years now, but it was a, a little girl's bedroom. And you sewed some birds and butterflies, You kind of needlework, added those details to a rather plain right. fabric and made it sort of magical. But her sister's room had already had drapes. Do you remember those drapes? I do. They were horrible. Don't forget a drape. And, you know, I waited afterwards for the clients to say, okay, you guys have to come back and do the other little girl's bedroom because it's so obvious that her drapes are horrible and the other sister's drapes are spectacular, but they never said anything. So it's kind of a mystery to me. Maybe I should have just been direct. I'm taking these and I'm going yeah, to burn them. Give them to me. Well, it's an education. You know, they probably paid a lot of money for the sister's curtains. No. They were horrible. There's you know. no way. But horrible doesn't mean they didn't pay a lot of money. You know, I've, oh. I've got a, I, I screenshot Instagram photos of very expensive designers and horrible work. So the, that this is what I'm saying. The amount of money you're spending doesn't equal the work you're getting. And, you know, if someone spends a lot of money on something, they're also maybe shy to ask, like, is this good or bad? Because they're assuming it's good. Right. I think I find that with designers too. There, There's a... I don't know if it's shyness, but there's like a reluctance to ask questions to, to their workrooms, to, to me. They assume that it's just going to get done or they send me the fabric and I, there's a little bit of a disconnect with maybe it's because they don't have that knowledge. They don't know what questions to ask. So I think it's important for designers to have a communication with their workroom too to get sort of some insight on different fabrics and things that can be done to, to make something spectacular. I think one of the worst things we do to our trades who are so good at what they do is to just throw, we'll use the example of the window coverings because you're here, but just to throw the fabric at you and say, just, you know, make, you know, drapes or whatever, or worse, maybe even worse than that is I want you to make inverted pleat drapes on a chaos track with grow grain ribbon along the leading edge. Like that's something that we've done 198 times, right? So much better if I go to you and say, hey, situation here, what's new? What's happening? What's different? And you've come up with these charming details on draperies that of course I never would have thought of, not in a million years. You know, I'm biased because this is what I do. But with the window treatments, it's really like endless. There's an endless amount of customization that as a designer you can bring to that. And so that's, that's the part that hurts me a little bit when we're kind of cookie-cuttering our way through projects is that it's a shame because this is your opportunity to show your style as a designer. So you don't look like the next designer. You know, it doesn't look like a staged house. Well, and also draperies are one of those things, they're right up at eye level. You can't miss them. They're always in your face. Unlike, you know, even an area carpet, which is beautiful, it doesn't come up and greet you the way draperies do. So to miss the mark when it comes to window coverings means to miss the mark in the entire project. That's what I say all the time. <laughs> 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 I think we've been working together more than 20 years, I have to tell you. I know we I'm still look exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Right. I know we look exactly the same as we did, but I'm so lucky. You're one of three or four trades that I've had since the early 90s. And yeah. 
I will quit when you guys quit. <laughs> I'm not quitting till well, you Well, I'm lucky too. And you know, we grow together, right? Like it's because you work a long time with someone, it's not the same work we're doing. I think that's one of the kind of interesting about this work, for me anyways, is that I'm always like learning and growing and, you know, the designers I work with change, people retire, new people come in, but it feels like a journey. And same, you know, working with you when we first, I remember the, your house on Rosemary Lane, the, that's the first project <laughs> we did doing. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm just thinking back, I mean, that, I did beautiful work then, if I'm just talking about the curtains. But if I was to do that today, I would make different decisions. And I think that's kind of, it's fun, this journey of, of growing and working together. I recently reconnected with a client that we had like 16 years ago. And we did draperies in her dining room, but she didn't have a window. Do you remember that job? At Young and uh-huh. St. Clair? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hadn't seen her in like 16 years and we reconnected. And she hasn't changed a single thing in her house, except she took the draperies down from the dining room. That was the was only thing heavy. she changed. It they, wasn't a very big room. No, <laughs> it was tiny, but it was really elegant. That was really fun. What's so great yeah. about custom? Why shouldn't we all just go to um, Restoration Hardware? Do they make draperies, yeah. ready-made draperies or we no? Do. Pottery yeah, Barn, yeah. who does? And it's not like, all, no, no, Restoration Hardware. It's yeah. like, the thing is, it's a budget thing, right? So... Like restoration hardware does a decent job. Like if you can't afford it, the fabrics are decent. That you have different heights. I mean, they're not sewn properly. But your ideal client is she looking for you to give her something cookie cutter, or is she looking for you to do something special and something you know that her neighbor's not going to have? Well, that's what I do. That's and I, I wish everybody thought the way I did, but the world, the economy wouldn't function because it's not a great economical way of thinking. But artistically and artisanally, everything we do is special. I don't discriminate because someone doesn't have the budget or the fabric isn't as fancy. You know, sometimes the limitations we have make us force us to be even more creative. And sometimes I come up with ideas because. We have certain limitations. We did a, a really fancy detail with grow grain where we layered like four grow grains and then I did a little design on top of it because the client couldn't afford the trim that they, they had selected. The thing we did was a thousand times nicer than the trim they would have paid more to buy. And so, you know, this is the, the love of doing something and, you know, taking every project and looking at it carefully and thinking about it. I mean, to me, that's what makes us special. That's why people hire us to give them something unique. And I shouldn't limit the services you provide to being, of course, window coverings because you do bedding for us. You do all of our decorative toss cushions, which I think are spectacular. And that's where you really can have fun as well with applique and embroidery and different details that you do around the edges and the trim where would you say, you know what, let's do this. I would love to know, you know, just speaking freely, where do we make our biggest mistakes in those categories? So for example, when it comes to window coverings, what are like the top three things you can think of that designers maybe aren't aware of? Um, hardware. I, the style nowadays, like a lot of houses, people want kind of a minimalist look or, or plain curtains, 
that's a style thing. It has nothing to do with quality. And so the hardware, if it is visible, ends up becoming the detail. Mm. And I've, I, I kind of look at hardware like jewelry, like God forbid you wear cheap jewelry with fancy clothes, your clothes end up looking terrible. So one of the main things I see that's a disaster is like cheap hardware. Or, and if you can't afford to do nice hardware, don't show the hardware. Like find a way to do like a recess track or build out the uh, trim work to have a recess pocket. Because then, you know, if you don't see something, it's beautiful. Like you don't, the things you don't see, you can't criticize. Right. right? So hardware is a big thing. And I know it can be a big expense, but it makes a difference. You know, if you're wearing a Rolex, people all of a sudden assume your shoes are a good quality. Well, I think sometimes we do our clients a disservice by not offering up those details, even though they're expensive. So many are afraid to push the client's budget. You know, the client said they want to spend X number of dollars. And so you're doing your best to keep the price low. But if you have a client, yeah, who's driving a Range Rover and wearing a Rolex, they probably would be interested in some of these more elegant features, I guess I would say. Don't don't say no on behalf of your clients. Let your clients say no. Present what you think would be fabulous. And then if they say no, then figure out what the next step is. There was a house we just worked on and, you know, it was going to be make curtains. And I was, I saw this beautiful, like, glass chandelier in the black glass chandelier in the dining room and I was like what a shame to just make plain curtains when I have an opportunity to do something amazing so in the customization of things I work with a glass blower and we made black glass rods that kind of disappeared because they you know black glass on a dark wall but there was a shine to it and the the brackets were black Mm. chrome and now the the hardware was about $20,000. So obviously not part of the budget, but they spent probably three times that on the chandelier. So when the designer came to the client with this option, right? And we were, we're going to make you curtains, blah, 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 blah. but there's also this concept we have to do this curved glass rod. And they, they thought it was fantastic. We did it. It looked amazing. I don't think they flinched at the cost because it looks so amazing. Right. You know what I mean? Like this, and now, now they have, they have plain curtains, but they have like unbelievable hardware. No one walks into that room and looks up and doesn't think, wow, there's a Rolex there. Wow. Fantastic. I love that. Okay. So hardware is something we could give a little more consideration to. A couple more things we might think about in terms of window coverings. Yeah. Like details, you know, this is the, the thing about, I hate curtains. i we want it to look simple and clean, but there's like a lot of little things we can do to make a simple curtain look different. And one of my pet peeves, and this is maybe a specialist thing, is the hem size. When I see a photograph, I can tell the size of the hem. And there's functional things about having a big hem. It adds weight to the curtain, falls better. But also I, I see the small hems as like cheap. And, and so... I know that most workrooms just work on like a six inch standard hem size, but if you see a 12 inch hem, you know, there's on a curtain, it feels like you've got something serious going on. I turned around to look at the draperies that are behind me, but you made them. So it's a really big, beautiful hem with a a beautiful peekaboo ribbon detail at the bottom. 
which was your idea, right. by the way. But of course, you know, when I'm presenting to the clients, I get all the credit. Kamal doesn't really get the credit. I get the credit. <laughs> well, but that's, you hired me, so you have the credit for doing that at least. But my <laughs> clients do know you. It's hilarious. Whenever Kamal installs the draperies, he also gives us a lecture about now don't touch them, don't open them, and don't close them. For how many days? Well, so we steam everything. You know, this is something I don't want. This is not an advertisement for people to use me. I wish designers spend more time demanding things from their workrooms, right? right? So one of the things that you know I've always done is we have an installer who puts up the hardware, but it's always myself or my sewers that will come out to hang the curtains and steam them and make sure everything's perfect. And to me, that's, I mean, I know you don't, maybe the client doesn't see this, but it's a big problem for me when an, I see an installer like trying to put up curtains because they don't sew and they don't understand how things are supposed to fall. So that's, that's kind of a mandatory thing for us. Also, my sewers understand better the work they're doing when they come out to a, a house and mm-hmm. actually see the curtains hanging and they get to steam it. And so, yes, we always steam everything and pleat it nicely. And, you know, hopefully, you know, for maybe a week, people, I ask you not to touch your curtains. <laughs> that way the folds kind of learn, you know, how to, how to behave. I find clients will accept that. They'll say, okay, no problem. I totally understand. And they do know you and they do love you. And once they see your work, they never work with anybody else again. And everybody listening to the podcast will not be able to hire you because people are all over the world. But if you're in Toronto, um, Kamal is the man, that's for sure. Okay. So what about other things like bedding? Where would you say designers could step it up a little in terms of custom bedding? bedding, you know, is, gets washed a lot. So it's hard to spend a lot of money on fabrics necessarily. But uh, grill grain. Grill grain is very, uh, it's easy to use. It's easy to sew. It gets, you can clean it a lot. Polyester and rayon doesn't fade. And so adding little, you know, grill grain borders, I find is like a kind of not expensive way to make a uh, like simple bedding into something custom. You know, the grow grains come in, you know, hundreds of colors. So it's easy to find something that kind of looks like you've customized it to the room. What about um, just buying off the rack versus doing something custom? I mean, we don't have you make our sheets, but we often have you make the duvet covers. We usually have you made a th- make the throw that that's at the end of the bed. Right. So if it's, I think it's good to have like a coverlet and use a duvet, like a plain duvet underneath that you would sleep with so that the duvet gets washed, but the coverlet is just an aesthetic sort of over piece that when you're sleeping at night, you can fold to the end of the bed and doesn't need to get washed once a week. Because again, if you're spending a lot of money on fabric, it's going to wear. If you're doing any kind of details on it, you know, washing and will, will show. So yeah, the throws and the coverlets, this is a, a chance for you to do something fantastic that even though looks functional doesn't necessarily get used. That kind of changed my life too, because I was so sick of looking at my bed, always looking wrinkled and messy. So now the duvet is all wrinkled and messy because we've been sleeping in it, but we throw the coverlet over it at the end of the, you know, when we wake up in the morning and the bed looks perfect. Is it that coverlet with the, that kind of suede fabric with the crystals on it that we made? I still have that one. Yeah. I use that sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so, so there's funny. An example, there's an example of like a, a plain fabric that's beautiful. It's like a velvet and it's got this beautiful sheen to it. 
but we needed to add a little something because it's a king size bed. It's a lot of like plainness to it. So we just took some, I mean, there were crystals in the room that we did originally and, you know, to do something beautiful, but not too contrived. We just, I just kind of threw the crystals on and wherever they landed, I marked it and that's where we sewed them on. So it, it was a beautiful kind of elegant detail that wasn't like rocket science and didn't cost, you know, thousands of dollars, but looked very unique. Yeah, it 100% looks custom. And I find that clients are very appreciative when I go the extra mile. And so this is on me. I have to really watch the tendency to just phone it in. I That's my phrase for it, that the tendency, because I'm busy, to just do what I did last time because that looked really nice and just, you know, it's good enough instead of going that extra mile with a few of my A-team trades who will really make a big difference on my projects. Yeah, imagine showing up to a dinner party and the, the, somebody else has the exact same outfit as you. Like sometimes I, we work with the same fabric sometimes with different designers and I'm always cringing thinking, oh my God, I don't want somebody to walk into this house that has this same fabric in their house because they're going to look at it, they're going to have that same reaction. Like, what? I thought this was custom. <laughs> So even, you know, this is why the fabric's only one step of the process. We, you have to do something. This is an opportunity as a designer to really put your stamp on something so it doesn't look like your neighbor's curtains who hired another designer. <laughs> yeah, who hired the wrong designer, by the way. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so there, I said there were going to be three categories. Uh, yeah, window coverings and then decorative bedding. What about decorative toss cushions. What do we do? What should we think about as we're specifying decorative toss cushions? Yeah, cushions are tough. I, you know, the problem I'm shocked is, like, you're saying sense. that. <laughs> no, I'm well, totally shocked thing. because you can do anything on a cushion. You've done no, incredible cushions for us. What do people oh, the budget be damned. People don't know what they want to right? People don't know what they want to spend on a decorative cushion. You tell them it's right. fine. No. <laughs> my I have two things to say one the problem is you have places like HomeSense that are you know even our stores that are now bringing in cushions from China have you India felt those broke. cushions would you want to sit on those okay. near those cushions the inserts are not great but there's no. beadwork there's embroidery they're now making them like properly with invisible zippers it, I mean even if you're paying two three hundred dollars for a pillow it's hard to tell a client spend $1,000 or $2,000 on a cushion. You know, it's that wine analogy again. Like, they're going to be like, why should I spend $2,000 on a pillow when I can get this beautiful pillow for $200? Mm -hmm. This is my, I understand the pain that the client feels, and it's hard for me to explain to them that, you know, you should get a work of art then if you're spending $2,000. You don't have your designer order a fabric and, make you a 20 inch pillow because then it's not fair that you're spending a thousand dollars if you're going to spend that kind of money then yes it should be a custom cushion we should do some embroidery on it there should be i mean a cushion like working with the ms fabric there's a lot of decisions that have to be made when you cut a cushion because you're cutting a pattern and when you make a pillow that pattern has to look like it's made for that pillow you don't want to cut a pattern halfway through it's got to be symmetrical you know, the 20 inch doesn't mean correct for the pattern. If the pattern's 18, it's going to look weird to have a little bit of pattern starting. You know, so making a pillow properly takes some work. If you're able to get 
you know, decent things off the rack, it's hard for me to say make custom pillows unless we're able to do something amazing on them. No, I'm so I'm so shocked you even you even dare to take this position. Like seriously, <laughs> because if you're buying okay, the pillows here, at gonna... HomeSense or TJ Maxx, then your neighbors are going to have them well, too. LT. So right away, okay. no, forget it. I would rather a spectacular fabric, completely plain, made into a gorgeous pillow that's comfortable to sit on the sofa than a cheap, you know, knockoff from somewhere okay. else. I'm talking, okay, I fine. But what I'm talking is about is my work and how do I differentiate myself from other workrooms. If you're bringing me a beautiful fabric with a trim and you say, make me a pillow, I don't think there's a difference between what I do and what another workroom will do. So maybe that's what I'm saying, that mm. my only uniqueness in making a cushion is in my details that I can provide to it because the mm. a, a proper workroom We'll surge a cushion, we'll line it, we'll put an invisible zipper. But after that, there's, it's making omelet. There's not much more to it. Now, having said that, I see a lot of designers asking their upholsterers to make cushions because <laughs> they're making the sofa already, make me four pillows. And I've yet to meet an upholsterer and their sewers that make good cushions. So there's... Yeah. Maybe something that'll make you happy. I don't know. I I think a decorative for upholstery is very different than yeah. sewing for soft furniture. Yeah, decorative toss cushions make a huge difference in this space. And I would say we never, we rarely do anything smaller than twenty by twenty. But I think if I have a pet peeve about that, it's that I see a fourteen inch square pillow on a sofa it looks ridiculous and that's what i find a lot of times if you're if you're looking at these big box stores right they have these you know maybe they do look nice they don't feel very nice but they're never the right size the furniture now is bigger they're deeper backs so you kind of need toss cushions almost for a function more than more than just decorative so a bigger cushion will give you more support when you're sitting i think the bottom line is we you know, I'll just speak for myself. I have to slow down and I have to accept help from people who have more experience doing something than I do. I don't know how to make draperies. I, I couldn't possibly know how to do it. And so those times, Kamal, where, where I've shown up at your studio with my fabrics in hand and we've just spent an hour or two talking about what, you know, what could we do have been the most meaningful, rewarding projects. But I need to make that time. Yeah, and I, that conversation helps us a lot too as the like, people behind the scenes is, you know, we're working for you. We're creating work that has your name on it. And so the more information we have, the more we understand your sensitivities, the better work we end up doing. You know, I'm a bit of a chameleon because I'm working in all these different designers' styles. And so I have to really adapt and think what they think is nice or what kind of intrigues them and how can I make their style into something special? Okay, go ahead. Tell me what, what's, Did what you do like you like that Kamal chameleon? No. Yeah. You know, you have to tell me what, what's my thing. I already know what it is, but what is it? <laughs> no, but I mean, no, no, no. He's trying to wiggle out of it. Come on. <laughs> well, it's like a, it's a smell or it's a taste. If you look at your country house, that I feel is very much Kimberly Selden. Like, it's clean, it's elegant, it, there's a sort of, like, you can't put your finger on where this is, could be anywhere in the world. But I think that 
doing simple work elegantly is much more difficult than doing like very ornate work because yeah. when you do very ornate work, it's easy to hide things. You know, it's like putting a lot of makeup and perfume. It's hard to tell what's going on. <laughs> so, I you know, you know what the latest draperies you did for me in the country are the white ones, and they have this right. beautiful. I don't even know how to describe what it is. They're like these knots of like a little knot of fabric or something. I can't even describe it. I'll take a picture and put it up on the website for everybody. But I had, I'm like, here's white fabric, do something. And I was like, oh my gosh, every time I walk by them, I have to look. They're so beautiful. Uh, well, that that's exactly what you want your client to feel, right? I mean, they're spending a lot of money. Imagine every time they walk by something, oh, Kimberly, that, or whatever designer, like they've given me something unique that's you know, and I, I know with your place, we use the same fabric everywhere. And I understand you've got this amazing view. I don't want the curtains to upstage the view. I'm really just framing these gorgeous windows. But in that, it, we did a little something that, you know, it makes me feel good to know that that has an effect because really that's what I'm trying to do. And the gold zipper, you did, we did white draperies for someone else too, and you added a gold zipper, which I was like, what? I don't understand. And then <laughs> you showed it to us and she went for it and it looks so good. Yeah. Was it on a Roman? I'm trying to remember. No, it was draperies. Was a was it? it was a, yeah, this, on the yeah. leading edge, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 They were a bit rock and roll. I, I saw the furniture in the, the room yes. and you showed me what you were doing and they were kind of a kind of cooler so I thought, you know, what are we going to do? But then we've got Kimberly Selden, who's, you know, not, not cool. <laughs> well, no, it's not. It's, you're not that like you're not crude. So it's not going to be anything like too rough. And then the, you know, the edge of the zipper, like it's kind of pretty. They're like little metal things. So I, we just used the one end and we sewed it into the curtain. And so it had it looked like a trim. But if you looked up close, it's the edge of a zipper. It's very cool. If they, they very much love it. It's, that was very cool. So bottom line, we all need to take more time to work with the specialized trades we have. Take advantage of them. Let them show off what they can do and stop preventing our clients from having the opportunity to have something unique and special. Kamal, we like to end every episode with something called design intervention. What do you got for us? So you get what you pay for, I feel, is a phrase I need to figure out in Braille, and then I should start, like, trapuntoing it on the curtains. That would be your signature. But you get what you pay for is a flawed philosophy, because really, you're looking to spend the money properly. You're looking to get something unique and something of quality. So we all are going to pay more attention to the details, and we are all so grateful that we have trades like you who make us look good you know, year after year after year. Thank you so much. Thank you for 20 plus years of fun. (laughs) Thank you for being part of the Business of Design community and supporting BOD's mission to improve the industry one design business at a time. It's time for you to take the next step and join Business of Design. Like thousands of design professionals in 50 countries around the world, you'll find the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to dramatically improve your business and transform your life. What are you waiting for? Start today.